Dr Knox may be the doctor most associated in some people's minds with Edinburgh. His enterprising endeavours with the infamous resurrectionists Burke and Hare has cemented his place in local and world history. However, Edinburgh has a rich history of medical professionals who've gone on to be celebrated rather than feared, and who've helped shape and create the modern world as we know it. Two doctors, Drs Robert Sibbald and Andrew Balfour, were instrumental in helping shape 17th century medical practices in Edinburgh and Scotland. With both instrumental in the creation of the Edinburgh Pharmacopoeia, a medical guide that documented recipes for known medicines, while Sibbald was also instrumental to establishing the Royal College of Edinburgh Physicians. Both also created the second oldest psychic garden, more commonly referred to these days as a botanical garden. In 1670, Sibbald and Balfour set about creating Edinburgh's botanics in a small area of the grounds of Holyrood Abbey. Over the next couple of hundred years, the site was relocated several times. These moves were caused by various reasons, from flooding caused by the draining of the Norlock, to moving further away from the city to escape the pollution. Edinburgh was once nicknamed Old Reeky, and it was nicknamed Old Reeky for a reason. In 1820, the gardens were moved again, this time to the Inverleaf area of the city, where they remain to this day. Inverleith is a suburb of Edinburgh that sits to the north of the city centre. Inverleith, meaning the mouth of Leith, due to its proximity to the water of Leith, Edinburgh's main river, was granted to the Fairley family by King Robert in the 14th century. The Fairleys built the castle of Inverleith soon after, which was believed to have been an imposing structure surrounded by walled gardens and orchards. Since then, the land has passed through various owners and the castle now no longer remains, but something far more sinister is said to have left its mark on the land. The area surrounding the botanics is filled with grand Georgian and Victorian houses, impressive abodes that would easily sell for a tidy sum. I often walk that way and I can't help but wonder what events have played out behind their walls and what the people who lived there were like. Each house will have stories of their own, and each will have seen its fair share of happiness, turmoil, heartbreak and secrets. But one of these houses may be hiding something far more insidious than a secret gambling debt or drinking problem. One house has a secret so terrible that its location may well have been covered up and deliberately forgotten about to this day. Although the exact address is not known, other than it being number 17, the attic of a house near the botanics became the site of unusual goings-on. The house, previously owned by a local eccentric until his death, was due to be demolished and had been left empty for several years. As we often find with grand empty homes, stories soon grew of unusual bangs and moans echoing through the still night, emanating from the dark and gloomy property. Neighbours swore they saw flickering lights penetrate the darkness in the attic of the house, despite no one living there, and with no signs of a break-in. But these were just stories and tall tales. Or so people believed. As fate would have it, the house was bought by a young couple looking for a business opportunity, 
who'd seen the house and hoped to renovate it and use it as a boarding house. Their new home had lain empty for years, so the renovation work took longer than hoped and naturally cost more than they had originally budgeted for. The patience of the new owners was wearing thin and they were eager to open for business as soon as possible. Eventually, renovation works were completed and they were open for business. And on the whole, things were going well. The couple were able to afford staff and business seemed good. But there was one room, an attic room, that no one wanted any part of. It was cold, nothing would heat it, and it had a foreboding atmosphere, almost like it was alive. You could feel the room before you entered it. Often noises and voices were heard coming from the empty room. No one felt comfortable there, and the maids gave it a wide berth. As much as the staff avoided the room, it was still a business, so the room would occasionally be rented out. Sometimes this happened without incident, but sometimes the guest would leave in terror, and, after each guest, the room would have to be cleaned and set. After one such booking, a young maid, not long employed at the property, was assigned to clean the attic room. Unaware of the room's reputation, she happily accepted the instruction and set to work cleaning. It wasn't long before an ear-splitting scream tore through the house. Other staff knew exactly where to go and immediately ran towards the attic room. As they arrived, the door to the room swung open and the hysterical young maid stumbled out, crying uncontrollably before collapsing on the floor. It's said the maid never fully recovered from the shock of what she witnessed in the attic. No matter how hard people tried, she never spoke of what she encountered. This incident wouldn't and couldn't stay hidden forever, and word soon spread about the horror in the attic of number 17. Local students became aware of the poor maid, and among a group of them, bets and dares were made about staying in the attic room. One student, braver or more foolish than the rest, agreed to spend the night there. His name? Andrew Muir. Convinced this was Buncombe, he booked himself in and specifically asked for the attic. The owners were delighted to have somebody want to stay in the room, and hoping this would put an end to the idle gossip, agreed to put him up. Soon, however, reality set in, and fearing for his safety, his friends urged him to be cautious. So he agreed to take with him a bell and told the staff to come should they hear it ring. Andrew, a religious man, was convinced nothing would happen, and after spending some time with the owners and listening to their reassurances, he was more confident than ever that he'd have an incident-free night. As the evening wore on, he bid his hosts goodnight and retired to his room, taking his bell with him. A few hours passed without incident, then a noise broke the silence and caught the night staff's attention. At first they heard a single ring. Then the bell began ringing furiously. Although the sounds could barely be heard over the cries of a terrified Andrew. The staff ran as quickly as they could to the attic room, but they were too late. Andrew was dead, apparently from sheer terror. His eyes were fixed in a wide stare, his face locked in a look of abject terror, the bell firmly in his deathly grip. After Andrew's body was removed, the attic room was locked, 
possibly bricked up, never to be opened again. Many people believe that the house was demolished some 20 years later. Many people believe that it still stands to this day, the attic room still hiding this terrible, murderous secret. Some of you may find a lot of similarities with this story and the terrifying tale known as The Menace of Barclay Square. This famous haunting occurred in the 19th century London and is the account of a haunted townhouse in the upmarket Mayfair district. This townhouse had a reputation of being haunted and became a place where people were supposedly literally scared to death by a ghost or spirit inhabiting an attic room. The story culminated in the death of a sailor who'd found a place to sleep within the house's derelict walls for the night. Given the similarities, could this tale be seen as validation of the events? Two almost identical hauntings with horrifying outcomes where evil lurked within four walls, waiting for an opportunity to torment and take a life. Or is it just some creative storytelling by Edinburgh residents of the time who were aware of the Barclay Square haunting? Whatever your belief, if you're looking for a place to stay in Edinburgh and you find yourself by the Botanics, just make sure you avoid booking an attic room.